Hello, Kieran here. This episode has been remastered from its source recording as the original finished version is unavailable. As it's been re-edited from scratch, it might be a little different to the first release. If you have the original version, please get in touch at HYSpodcast on Twitter or HYSpodcast at gmail.com. Enjoy! We're talking about the 13th Warrior, plus exclusive insight on what happens to Warriors 1 through 12. This is episode 116? Yes? Of Have You Seen? Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Have You Seen? Um, I'm feeling particularly uninspired in the introduction takes this week. Um, I guess I am Kieran, the 13th warrior, Lefort, and at the other end of the table is, what kind of warrior would you be? You were always the apathy kid, so yeah, I, I guess, <laughs> yes, the lazy warrior, Tom Webb. Um, yeah, we were pitched the 13th warrior, which is seems to be about Antonio Banderas pretending to be Arabic. Yes. Um, with the thickest Spanish accent in the world. <laughs> um, mostly newish fan John McNamara pitched this to us last episode. Yeah. He said, uh, Hello, Kieran and Tom. I've been a listener since December and I'm enjoying the format of your show. Good. Good start. Excellent. In the meantime, please consider my pitch. Have you seen The 13th Warrior? Years ago, a friend and I were stuck indoors for a few days for a universe, university medical study. I never realized. I never thought about the phrasing of that sentence before. Now, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, it sounds like there's, there's a story there. Yes, and this movie popped up on the video rental list, so that tells you how far back we're going. <laughs> yeah. It had gotten poor reviews, and my expectations <laughs> were low. <laughs> Antonio Banderas was the lead. Omar Sharif had a small cameo, but no one cameo. I don't know what cameo is, no. uh, but no one else was recognisable. This film was adapted from the Michael Crichton novel Eaters of the Dead, a story that combines the Beowulf epic with Vikings and uses an Arabian emissary character as observer-slash-narrator in the book and film. Banderas, as you might guess, plays his central character Ahmed Ibn Fadlan, and he's got a whole more of Ibns that come after that. Um, And I felt did a decent job. Not having read the book, I cannot say how well this film does by it, but my friend and I were thoroughly entertained. At least it was a nice break from doing schoolwork. From a layman's point of view, it did look underdeveloped in places. I'm amused by how the film depicts Ahmad's uh, learning the Norse language. It's silly and enjoyable at the same time. Wikipedia mentions the director being fired for going over budget and Crichton coming in to direct. I do plan to read the book and expect it will be much, much better. Hope this film intrigues you. It'll be a review to end all reviews or is that going too far? So, do you want to try and recap the plot? Uh, well, because it pretty much is Beowulf with bells and whistles. Pretty, yeah, pretty much. And it was, it's kind of, in a way, it's kind of similar to Outlander as well. Um, mm. I thought exactly the same thing. Um, Not enough spaceships. But, um, yeah. So basically, you have this uh, Arab emissary who is, if, I think, he's effectively banished. Um, yes, he falls in love with the wrong woman. Yeah, so he's kind of banished off, and uh, he meets up with some Scandinavians. Uh, the Scandinavians get recalled to Scandinavia, where uh, a king has had his uh, village decimated by these. I suppose uh, the 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 theory is that there is some some form of monsters, some form of, some form of mythical bear creature. Yeah, and 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 they've been eating people, and yes. it's it's quite go- kind of visceral and gory in terms of the it's all a bit horrible and a bit viking yeah yeah so and and uh the the kind of legend has it that 
there'll be was it twelve twelve of these sort of Viking warriors will be joined by a thirteenth warrior who isn't a Viking. He'll yes. be something different uh, to them who will help them conquer this beast. Um, and that's kind of the basic premise. is is about the, the you know the, these warriors who help try and protect this village uh, from. This menace, basically. Yes, with names very carefully changed from the Beowulf story. Yeah. Yes. So Grendel is Wendell. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't like this very much. See, I, I kind of was started off with, I'm not really a fan of this sort of genre. Hmm. I didn't really get into Outlander. No, I know you didn't. And even so, with the sci-fi hook to it, as yeah, well. yeah, which because I, I thought that was really like underplayed in that. They mm. didn't really do much with it. And this, I, the f- f- so for the first hour of this, I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna really enjoy this. But then there was there's a scene in the middle uh, that kind of I don't know just sort of hooked me in. And then like for the last hour, I, I, I quite enjoyed it. And by the end of it, I was like, oh, that was all right. Okay. So I wasn't like I was I didn't hate it. I didn't I kind of enjoyed the last half. Once they get to Scandinavia and they start thinking, right, how are we gonna stop this menace? Mm. That's when I kind of enjoyed it. But the first thing I noticed though, mm. one of the f- opening lines of the film, one of the first lines of the film, is someone screaming along that there's an army's coming and they're shouting, The Tartars are coming, the Tartars are coming. Mm. And I immediately thought, is that Kate Upson's army from the game of war ads? <laughs> Good and that was my first thought <laughs> watching this movie. Um, I kind of felt there was no soul or art to it at all. I honestly felt like I was watching a product and the very essence of that'll do. Yeah, I kind of see what you mean. Like yeah. particularly the action sequences are awful. Yeah. Um, they're so lumpen. There's lame sword fighting everywhere you look. Yeah. Um, it's basically, I can sum it up in a single line. Um, people mumble to each other in silly accents then every half an hour blokes in bear costumes attack for badly directed badly choreographed and badly edited fight scenes yeah yeah it was very difficult to follow who was who was eviscerating who Um, part of the problem is you essentially end up with 13 main characters or one main character and 12 supports yeah Um, and it's impossible none of them are given any time so it's no. impossible to care about any of them. That's true. There's no real identity apart from the, there's the three of them, effectively. Yeah. There's the blonde leader, blonde leader's blonde mate, Antonio yeah. Banderas. Yes. And and they're the only three you get to kind of form any sort of opinion about. Um, so I guess later on when people are dying off, it's not that yeah, much I of don't, a deal. I don't get, it's just random Viking number six. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whose genius idea was it to cast Antonio Banderas as an Arab and have the movie open with him doing a long exposition voiceover? That's when I was a bit, at the beginning, I was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to like this. Well, yeah, I kind of... Do do you want to start near the beginning and make our way through it? Because I don't want to hit my punchline too early. Yeah, no, fine. (laughs) One of the things that I wondered why, part of the reason I wondered why this didn't really work was the fact that he you know effectively it's an american action movie Mm. where your lead is an iraqi Mm. 
in the 90s. Yeah. And there's Blade no... Bloke bloke they can't understand anyway. <laughs> yeah. And and then it's set in Scandinavia. So yeah. for an American audience, I'd it's imagine... It's massively alienating on all levels. Yeah. yeah. And then it's kind of... It's a culture clash movie at the beginning mm. where the the cultures that they're clashing would both be considered minorities by the, by the main audiences that this is aimed at. Yes, it's two cultures that your main audience can't relate to. Exactly, yeah. To so, start with. So assuming like a movie like this, it's made for the US domestic market and yeah. then the Western world mm. gen- generally. Well, I think it was made for straight, for straight to video given that Antonio Banderas is the only person with any name value <laughs> yeah, in it yeah. apart from Omar Sharif's 10 minutes. Yeah. but So it was kind of interesting. Did you like, know that he quit acting after this film? No. Yeah, he was so right. disappointed really? in the end product. Wow. He gave up acting for a few years. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's kind of, it's, yeah, I can see why. On the one hand, you kind of go, oh, action movie with Antonio Banderas. Yeah. You know, hot off of Desperado and. Four years off Desperado. Well, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah but he's got a proven track record. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it just kind of. I can see why it didn't come together and didn't work. And then, obviously, if you've got John McTiernan throwing yes. his toys out of the pram, yes, it's um, not going to go well. So, Omar and uh, uh, Omar Sharif is like Antonio's aide, buddy. Yes, yeah, kind of, sort yeah, of mentory sure. type figure. Yeah, and they spot this Viking camp about a hundred yards away. And they approach. How long did that take? Because it's enough time for them to have a costume change and Banderas to put on new guy liner. Even though, I'm not kidding, they were 100 yards away when they started. Um, all of that stuff in the camp was so boring. Yeah. And it's very hard to follow what's going on because they stay roughly faithful, roughly faithful to the language. Yes. In that the Vikings are all speaking, let's call it Scandinavian for yeah. the hell of it. So they're speaking they're speaking Scandinavian, um, which Omar and Antonio don't speak. Mm. They speak to us in English. Fine. Yeah. They have to translate this through the common language that Sharif has with one of the Vikings, which is Greek. Mm. So every line is read three times. <laughs> yeah. When people are having conversations, yeah, it goes on forever. I was trying. I don't. I was trying to figure out what did Tin and McTiernan direct, and what did, um, well, McTiernan shot the whole movie, right? Supposedly, or most of the movie, mm. uh, and then, uh, what I read was that uh, Michael Crichton came in and reshot quote key scenes, right. I imagine Michael Crichton directed all the stuff that looked like it was out of the seventies. Well, I was going to say there were There's bits in loads of awful seventies zoom camera work going on. There, there, there are some bits in it. If it, it. It's like this. This is. It feels like a compatriot of uh, Conan and Krull and that kind of style, mm. but obviously not the same sort of content. If that makes sense. Mm. I, I kind yes. of. Uh, yeah, it was. It was kind of like oh, we're in a eighties, seventies, eighties sword and sorcery movie. Yeah, if you had told me this had been made in 1979 instead of 1999, I would have believed you. (laughs) Um, Antonio Banderas, to me, it looked like he was putting less energy into this than he usually puts into his tax return. (laughs) No, it's like, I don't know. It's like nobody gives a shit. Yeah. And 
there's some real weird lurches in tone as well. It's like it's a hard journey. There's uh, a fight, a slaughter, mm. and then prop comedy as he learns how to use a big Viking sword. Yes, yeah. It's yeah. so weird. Yeah. It's... Um... Like I say, I think it just it's one of those movies that suffers from not really knowing what it is. No. And and I, I you know, I like I said, it was the scene that kind of made me that that kind of hooked me a bit was when um so they go into this uh village. The king wants uh them to help get rid of the beasts. But there's some he's got some kind of like nephew or something that's obviously eyeing up his throne yeah that's an additional plot that's thrown in for no real reason yeah uh, and also to... who's that random blonde bird that keeps giving antonio the eye I don't who know. just then bangs one night before they yeah. disappear off for a fight who knows we haven't still talked about how antonio learns viking right right basically they all sit up around a campfire at night yeah and he lip reads through the night and that's how he learns their language <laughs> and, and from then on everybody speaks english yeah some of them with Irish and Scottish accents. <laughs> yes, I know. There were, there were some definite Irish and Scottish Vikings. Yes. Which, you know, fair well, enough. Clive There's... Russell is a yeah. massively Scottish. Yeah. And uh, in everything. So the monster slash monsters yeah. uh, is revealed to essentially be a tribe of men who have killed bears and skinned them and wear, effectively yeah. wear bear suits yeah, and they're, they're basically, to go on the attack. They're like, they're like a cannibal yeah. tribe of... of uh, people that are just kind of yeah savages kind of savages yeah, yeah. Um, and they they attack the village a couple of times and are fended off by our 13 warriors yeah there's one of these 13 warriors is a big white haired viking mm. in the second bear man attack mm. does he mongo punch a horse <laughs> because I it looks so. like so yeah so I think there yeah. Is, yeah he does yeah <laughs> yeah I, he definitely he definitely punches a horse yeah. Uh, I, I I suspect that you know it's like Arnie punching the camel, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very... But the horse is running at him at a fair old lick. Uh, it's quite given the stunt that it is. It's quite impressive. I was yeah. trying to see if he actually made contact with the horse. I don't think he did. I think no, it was I don't think good, so either. Good camera work. Yeah. Um, and when the, the horse bear... sells it though, yeah. When the bearhead men run away, there's loads of cross dissolves. I yeah. noticed weird things. Yeah, it's like it's being edited by. Like, was this the editor's first film? <laughs> it's very, very odd. Um, I think I figured out what the problem with this film is. Right. Banderas' hero mm. is practically impotent. He doesn't drive yeah, anything. That's true, yeah. it's He's along for the ride. Yeah, what should be the first act, mm. uh, which is... Uh, that's the stuff that they get rid of in three minutes in the voiceover. The first act yeah. should be... The uh, um, uh, him meeting this woman, mm. falling for her. She's someone else's husband. Gets sent away. That's that's your first twenty minutes, not your first three minutes, and then a boring conversation with some Vikings. Yeah. Um, he doesn't instigate anything. No. Um, uh, he doesn't volunteer to be number thirteen. He's just told he has to be. Yeah. Um, for lack of the for lack of a better phrase. He's the token ethnic character among the white Vikings. Yeah. Um, it's just that the camera happens to be following him the most. Yeah. See, I, I think I would have started it. I would have started it with him approaching the Vikings. Uh, and pro- probably even in Scandinavia, him arriving. Right. 
with them and then like you say he would have to step up to to join them well they do weird it actually starts with a weird kind of semi flash forward because the first thing you see is him on a boat with the vikings that he hasn't met yet yeah um this also predates good cgi by the way because the scenes on the boat are terrible um the other thing that i would do is that the the duel where um we talked about where one of uh, the 13 warriors goes up against mm. the big dude. That should have been him. Yes. And well, he should have bested him by knowledge as opposed to brute force so that when it comes to the point where he goes, oh, they're people uh, and they like dressing like bears, yes. so let's hunt them like a bear. Yes. That's, a, that, that's, that's not a, a throwaway moment like no. it is. And it's like, oh, he actually is contributing to the... well. The team, as it were. The other thing is, he doesn't... There are two kind of showdowns later on with um, Mm. Wendell's mother Mm. and then Wendell himself. Yeah. He doesn't get either of those. That goes to someone else. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like... I don't think any Hollywood leading man would let that happen to their character. No. Um... It's basically, if you like movies about largely inconsequential supporting characters, you'll like this. <laughs> it kind of, it's kind of like a fictionalised version of a documentary following a supporting player in a movie. Right, yeah, yeah. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, I see. This is the story of, not the hero, but the hero's mate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because in a way, the hero really is the leader of the the, the 13 Warriors. Yes. The, the other, you know, but obviously... He's not Antonio Banderas, no. so he can't be the the, the lead. Yeah, I see. I mean, it's a very odd, it's a very odd setup. Yeah, um, and it doesn't make sense in terms of like in, it doesn't make screenwriting yeah. sense. And yeah. it's like I'm quite surprised that it was greenlit in the form that it. It'll be interesting survived. to see if that works in a novel. Oh yeah, there is that because I think it would because you're you're effectively you have someone who is your your eyes and ears yes which that doesn't really it does work in movies but it doesn't work in the way they do it in this yeah but still um, I'm thinking for example it's always Harry Potter that fights Voldemort it's not Ron no exactly that is true but but my point but being he's is your eyes and ears and your hero yes but my point is that the, the books are not written from his point of view mm. uh if you take um some of the jack reacher novels they're written as if you are inside jack reacher's yes, head yeah, yeah. some of them aren't and some yeah. of them are but so it, there are ways you can do it and there are ways that you can't and this is why when you can't yeah Which is, this is why i'm not entirely sure why i end up at the end of this film going oh, God, oh i thought that was all right <laughs> honestly i don't know why no like i said i honestly felt like i was just i was watching a product it was like we've got yeah. one left on our contract with antonio what can we do with him yeah that, yeah yeah sorry mr mcnamara <laughs> um we had correspondence mm. well we had a minor bit of correspondence about this my mate paul says he loves this film Right. Uh, and back in the day, he even created an entire Dungeons and Dragons campaign based around the story, oh, right. which I guess it would lend itself to. Yeah, see that I get. Yeah, yeah, because it's it is a, a kind of a quest movie. Is, and... is is this something that will work in a, every format except a movie? Could be a it TV well. series. Could be a good TV series. Yes, because then you can develop your thirteen main characters. Exactly. It could be a great novel. Uh, yeah. Apparently, good Dungeons and Dragons game. Yes, but. Uh... But not necessarily a two-hour movie. No. We had 
an email a few weeks ago from a man by the name of Sebastian Mulder. Mm-hmm. He's now found us on Facebook. Excellent. Uh, and sent us another little missive, which just says, um, he's the man who listens to us on the three and a half hour commute. Oh, yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he now says, so I've now listened to all of your podcasts. Excellent. Ha- that's commitment. That is. That's very good. Much to my surprised amusement, I heard my post read on air. I frequently mention that Fox Mulder is my brother when trying to explain to people how to spell my last name. Then they get it. <laughs> yeah. uh, the commute is a round trip, otherwise it would be a waste. Oh, good. Um, uh, I haven't got around to seeing Rubber yet. I watched a bit of it and realised I was not in the right mood to watch it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have watched a lot of others, though. And much to my surprise, you can go a step down from Sharknado. <laughs> it's a huge step down in the form of Birdemic 2. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, I would happily watch Sharknado uh, 1 and 3. What a piece of crap. Anyway. Uh, I also really enjoy the documentaries like Side by Side, Between the Folds. This film has not uh, yet been rated. Uh, mm. The guys who are in that film. Uh, I haven't been able to locate a copy of Clean Flicks, though. I think that's disappeared off Netflix. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I haven't seen it on there for a while. Mm. Uh, Dread was another welcome surprise and a good watch. Mm. Keep up the good work. Uh, it makes my commute so much more enjoyable. I sometimes spot people looking at me strangely when I laugh out loud. Awesome. Um, Sebastian is from the Netherlands. All right, nice. Yes. I, I poked him, po- not poked him, um, because that is an actual thing you can do on Facebook. Yes. But, yeah. uh, I, I, it was a thing you could do on Facebook in 2007. Yes. We insist you can still do, but nobody yes. does. No. Uh, uh, I prodded his hometown and found out it was he is a, like a, a Netherlandic listener. Nice. I like the Netherlands. Lovely right. place. Been there lots. I haven't. Well, I killed that conversation. <laughs> uh, we should move on to uh, what we're going to do. For pitch this time around. Yeah. And it's not really a pitch. Well, it kind of is. Yeah. Yes and no. Yeah. Um, last show, we reviewed uh, Rope It Open, Rope It Open 2. Mm-hmm. Two martial arts comedy short films yeah. uh, written, directed, produced by a man named Eric Jacobus mm-hmm. from the Bay Area in California. Um, and as has kind of become customary, when I put mm-hmm. the episode up, I gave him a little nudge telling mm-hmm. we talked about his films. Yeah. And then we ended up having a chat on Twitter yes, uh, via private message, yeah. which is lovely. Uh, so <laughs> the whole world didn't get to see. Um, uh, and Eric very kindly uh, shared with us a screener link mm-hmm. to uh, one of his feature films, Death Grip. Mm. Uh, which You mentioned it in the show when we did the review. Yes, I did. Uh, I mentioned that I wanted to see it, but... Um, yeah. Uh, pricing is somewhat prohibitive yeah. to buy a copy of Death Grip on Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, uh, and as Eric himself mentioned, uh, international shipping from the US literally doubled a couple of years ago. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, yes, uh, Eric has shared with us Death Grip and we're going to watch it. Awesome. So I've got the IMDb synopsis, okay. which I'm going to read. Mm-hmm. And it says, in an effort to set his life straight... Oh, God, why does he have to have a name I can't pronounce? <laughs> Start again. In an effort to set his life straight, Kenny, I'm going to go with Zamakus, checks his autistic brother Mark out of the care home where he spent the past 15 years since their mother's death. When Kenny reluctantly brings Mark on a last-minute museum catering gig, Mark unwittingly entangles him in a dangerous heist involving the museum's showpiece. Run on sentence. The silver coin of Judas and a murderous satanic cult known as the Knights of Judas. The two brothers are propelled into the cult's demonic world where they must fight for their lives and face the depths of their own dark past. Hmm, interesting. It's so, a, it sounds like Rain Man with martial arts. Well, there is already a movie that's Rain Man with martial arts. It's Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung, Heart of Dragon. Right. Yeah. Um, and 
I rewatched the Death Grip trailer again today. Right. Uh, and it does definitely has notes of that and notes of Armor of God. Right. Uh, okay. Which can only be a good thing because they're yeah, both yeah. very good movies. Yeah. Um, I did a little digging around, uh, and this was written, directed, produced, edited, action directed by and starring Eric Jacobus. Excellent. Uh, it was previously called Rise and Fail until right. uh, they decided they'd change the title to something a bit more action y. Yeah. Um, as far as I can tell, they did the whole thing for $100,000. Wow. Uh, which may have included the burning the initial run of DVDs and Blu-rays. <laughs> right, wow. Um, but it looks like it cost a hell of a lot more than $100,000. Yeah. Um, they self-distributed it and then last year got a proper DVD distribution deal in the US. That's cool. Um, it also has a distribution deal in Japan, right? Uh, I think, because I found the Japanese DVD cover art, which is mental. <laughs> right. It's just lots of pictures of people bleeding and massive <laughs> Japanese text all over the place. Excellent. Good. Um, so that's about all I've got in terms okay. of pictures. Oh, apart cool. from uh, the the only name other people that people might recognise mm. uh, is the main villain. It's played by a man called Johnny Yong Bosch. Right. Who was the uh, Black Ranger and then later Green Ranger on various... Um, oh, right. Uh, editions of power rangers right i never watched power rangers i it bypassed me well i was kind of slightly too old for it yeah and um it's an absolute fucking mess of a show because (laughs) it's a japanese show sometimes more than one japanese show right cut together with um uh scenes reshot with american actors oh right but Oh, that's how it starts anyway, right, and then yeah, it yeah. kind of became a bit more than that. Um, but um, the stuff they did with the American actors was like Saved by the Bell, but worse. Right. Like the comedy Jesus. was awful. Yeah. Um, everybody wore their bright primary colour all the time. So if, it was a gre- if the guy yeah. played the Green Ranger, he always had a green shirt on. Right. And nobody could tell he was the Green Ranger. Right. Um, yeah, it, 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 I, I've, I, to this day, I don't understand why it was a hit. Right, but once uh, the US started shooting its own action sequences, mm. they had to keep up with the pace of the stuff that was going on in Japan. Right, uh, and this is where people like um, Koichi Sakamoto, who is the stunt director on Drive, right, the proper Drive, not the Ryan Gosling film. Yeah, um, uh, that is kind of where he cut his teeth. And Jeff Pruitt, who then did all oh, the yeah. best fights for Buffy for mm. about three or four years. Yeah, um, this they, he came from Power Rangers as right. well. Um. So yeah, uh, that's about it. I think mm. it kind of makes me wish we were doing this as a double header with with uh, Rain Man. Really? Yeah, I've seen some of Rain Man, not all of it. No, I've seen all. It's a great film. All right, he's on my list to pitch at some point. Well, I'm sure we'll. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll get to it. Uh, that's it. I think. Cool. So we're going to be doing Death Grip. Yeah. Um, if you've managed to get a hold of a copy, then you're more than welcome to send yes. your thoughts and feelings to us. Yeah. Um, if you're friends enough with Eric for him to share the screen link with you. <laughs> if you have seen Death Grip, or in fact any movie we've ever talked about on this show, uh, feel free to get in touch. You can do us on Twitter at H. You can do us on Twitter. <laughs> you can do so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now there's an invite. Wow. You can contact us. You can contact us on Twitter at HOS Podcast. Facebook uh, is facebook.com slash have you seen podcast. Uh, The website, which one day will be updated, is have you seen.net. 
The email is podcast at haveyouseen.net and we have a very rarely used YouTube account, youtube.com slash podcast, which, as I say, every episode contains short videos of movies we're not going to cover on this show because we've both seen them and we're sort of pitching them to you. Uh, and our um, not remotely legendary episode 100. Yeah. We must go through the list of movies. That and actually have. shoot some videos. Yeah. Yeah. Because we need. I, I've got a list, but I can't remember if you agreed with me or not. So uh, we need to go. Oh, maybe we need to have an admin session. Yeah. All right. Uh, we like shares and likes on Facebook, particularly new show posts. We like retweets on Twitter, again, especially new show tweets. We like reviews and raisings on iTunes, especially those with many stars. And we like your pictures of new films and reviews of stuff we've covered. Deep breath. Thank you to all of you for listening, especially if you've done any of those things. Thank you to Upbeat Productions for letting us into the submersible. Thank you to Rob the Submersible Manager for managing the submersible. Thank you to Nicola the Social Media Manager for managing the social media. And thank you and happy birthday to Alexia Mum for his technical expertise. He tries to keep it under wraps when his birthday is. uh, And he thought he had. And today we surprised him with donuts and a card and things. Yeah, I was unfortunately unavailable Mm. for that, which is a shame. He was surprised at donuts. And he even looked up from his work to take a donut. (laughs) Wow. That's that's impressive. To get him to look away from lines and lines of code. Yes. That's a feat. Yes. I think they just play. I think he's actually got Google Glass and lines and lines of code just play (laughs) play on the inside of his glasses all the time. Probably, yeah. Right. That's your lot. Yep. Uh, Next week, it's a Kung Fu extravaganza Mm -hmm. with Death Grip. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess we'll see you then. Absolutely. Bye. Bye. Unusual shampoo. <laughs>